0: Your presence, Lord. We love you tonight, Jesus. We're never alone tonight. God bless you. We bring your greetings from Edmonton. Uh, We were there last weekend in the bitter cold weather they had, negative 20s it was, and so uh, I think it's their coldest time of the year. But we were there with the saints, and the fire of God was among them. So they'll bring your greetings from Brother Harold Hildebrand and Brother Ed Hammermeister and the church, and they're pressing on and going through times of transition. But um, may the Lord bless them, Amen. bless our church, and bless you as we've gathered on a Wednesday night to serve the Lord. Thank you, musicians. Amen. Maybe the setup's for me so the ministers can be a little closer. Amen. And Pull me back a little bit. <laughs> Amen. It's always been... Uh, a real pleasure to be with you and serve you and, and uh, be in the church with you and we thank the Lord tonight. Uh, normally we'd read the scripture right now, but I just wanted to uh, give a couple quotes of Brother Branham just to set the tone for the service. I, I want to speak on walking alone yourself with a personal God. And uh, we want to speak about that, how we're walking alone, but we're not lonely. God's with us and then with a personal God. And we're going to uh, turn to Isaiah chapter 6 in just a moment. But when Brother Branham was speaking about this in Jeffersonville, he's talking about Isaiah and how this young prophet had been leaning on the arms of the good king and he had bought him all kinds of nice clothes and things. He was a prophet. He got, uh, got along, but one day the king dies and he had to shift for himself. I know you're turning to your pages, but don't miss this. (laughs) One day the king died, and Isaiah had to shift for himself. So he went down to the temple to pray, because he had begun to get out from amongst where the king's place was, and the good old king was a good holy man, but he got out and seen how the people was living, so he got down in the temple. Brother Branham was talking about Isaiah. And as long as Uzziah was alive, the king, he lived good. But as soon as he died, and he had to start shifting for himself, he went down to the temple to pray. That's, that's a good thing for us tonight. But he also started to see how the people was living. He got down into the temple, and God met him there. In another place, in the conflict between God and Satan, talking about Isaiah, he thought he was getting along pretty good, and a fairly good preacher. The king liked him real well and the king was taken from him one day and he knelt at the altar and fell into a vision and saw angels with wings over their faces over their feet, flying with two wings, singing, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Every which way they went. And I pray that same presence would come into this little service tonight. Here we are at the temple. Here we are at the house of God to pray that His presence would come among us. So let's stand tonight and turn to Isaiah chapter 6 together. Walking alone yourself, with a personal God and the last couple services we've spoke has been kind of new year services and uh, going deeper in 2018 and then also uh, speaking about patience and waiting tonight's maybe another uh, new year service that we can just dedicate ourselves to walking alone with him He's a personal God. He's here tonight on a Wednesday night. So we shut away everything else of the world and all of our uh, battles and trials and, and just uh, step right into a place that God can talk to you. Let's bow our heads together and if you'd like that tonight and you'd like to slip up your hand to the Lord and say, Presence of God, cover me, cover me, Lord. Help me to get in the channel now of the Word, Jesus. Lord, let us see you tonight, high and lifted up, Jesus. We do want a personal God to come down and walk among us, Lord, in this new year as Enoch walked with God we believe we're a type of Enoch Lord and there is a walk for the bride of Christ there's a lovely experience Lord that we can bear one another's burdens and we can come together and feed around the word Lord Jesus I pray you would come tonight in your nearness we just sent your nearness already Amen. we thank you for these Wednesday nights Lord and our Amen. time to be together with the family now would you just take control of every spirit and bring it under Your control, Lord. Bring it under Your presence, Jesus. When we see the vision of Yourself, we see the angels, we see seraphims, we see the overcoming power, we sense Your nearness, Lord. Would You come and bless every gift in our church, every gift in our families. Bless this little assembly, Lord, how they've been a blessing over the earth, over the globe. And we hear back, Lord, Lord, testimonies this week of over in Europe how they heard the watch night service and it encouraged them and they sang songs and they sent us a message, Lord. We're so grateful, Lord, for the moving of Your Spirit. Come again tonight, Lord, and warm our hearts and interpret Your Word, Jesus. Just fill us all, God, with strength. If there's any sick among us, would You touch them, Lord? Any weary, any battle scarred, any in their minds are troubled, would You Minister to that person. Lord Jesus, we are never alone with you. You're with us tonight. Bless your word. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Nice to hear the brother saying amen so close. Amen. This is good. Hallelujah. Maybe we'll preach better. Isaiah chapter 6 now. Let's read this familiar scripture, verse 1 to 8. The very first line is really our scripture theme. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord. What a testimony. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord. Sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up in His train, filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one having six wings. With twain he covered his face. With twain he covered his feet. And with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am unclean, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from off the altar. And He laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips and thine iniquity is taken away and thy sin is purged. Praise be to God. I think Brother Tim spoke on this last Wednesday on purging. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I. Send me. That's a personal God. That is someone that is calling for us tonight. God bless you. You can have your seats. With your Bibles open maybe, we'd like to look at this a little bit. Walking alone does not mean that we're lonely. We're walking with God. And um, I was thinking of this, walking alone yourself. I was thinking maybe one of our teachers might correct that. It doesn't sound proper English, walking alone yourself. But when I looked up the word yourself, it, it literally means by hand. It means physically or spiritually by hand. It's yourself. And another word that was really powerful, shocking, it means automatically. So it has to do with yourself, walking alone yourself, in hand with God. And it's just something that happens automatically for the believer. Now, we are with a personal God tonight. How many desire Him to be personal? Amen. We can just agree together. Walking alone with a personal God. And personal means He's your own. He's my own. And this God is special to me. He's special to you. He's your personal God, and that means that He's close. He's not far away. So tonight we're walking alone or with God, with a personal God. And and look in Isaiah 6-1 again as this is really, as we speak of this new year, 2018. The Bible says, in the year that King Uzziah died... I saw also the Lord. So in the year, and this is a year, this is a year for us to see the Lord face to face. I believe that with all my heart. It was in the year that this great influence on on Isaiah, because they were friends. They had grown up together. Isaiah was the prophet and Uzziah was the king. And he had bought things for him and made a good living for uh, uh, the prophet Isaiah. But it was when Uzziah died... That Isaiah saw the Lord. We're going to look into that just a little bit later. When the kings in your life die, that's when you'll see the Lord. Verse 5, Isaiah verse chapter 6 verse 5, part of that verse says, For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah had an experience with the King. It wasn't just a king, Uzziah, but his eyes had seen the king. And the bride of Christ can say the same thing tonight. We have received the word or the sword of the king, not a king, but what appeared to a prophet under that anointing of the word is now in your hands. So we can say as Isaiah, mine eyes have seen the king. Can you say amen tonight? I mean, he's the Lord of hosts. That means he's the captain of the hosts. That means there's all surrounding us, this personal presence of God with these angels. We can say like Isaiah, we have experienced the king. Not just a king like Uzziah or a political strength or just financial blessing or just a blessing on our church or our homes, but we have received the fellowship of a king. We've not received the word of just a man or a church or just a family or just a group. Every person individually tonight can say you, you can walk alone personally with Jesus Christ. Amen. in the influence of another, Brother Branham said, notice Isaiah knowed that he must find something different. We're, we're going to get into his relationship with Uzziah in just a moment. But Isaiah knowed he had to find... Don't you like that English? Yeah. Amen, Brother Murphy. However you say that in Chinese. But, and they loved Brother Murphy in Edmonton, by the way. Amen. They, they loved it when he came a few weeks ago. But Isaiah knowed... That she must find something different. And wasn't that something in your life? You knew you had to find something different. So what did he do? He went to the temple and raised up his hands and cried out to God. And he fell into a vision. And as he fell into the vision, he saw God. Not on a throne down here, but lifted up. Way up. He said, oh my, his train was following him. And he lifted up into the heavens and he saw back and forth through the temple there were seraphims flying. Oh, that would be wonderful tonight if we came to the house of God lifting up our hands, crying out to God and saw a vision. Not a vision like just what a prophet would see. And we're not in that realm. But we are seeing a vision of what a prophet saw come down into this dimension. And it was the Word. Hallelujah. But when Isaiah lifted up his eyes and saw this, uh, this king and saw the heavens and back and forth and saw the f- seraphims. What an atmosphere. What a presence is coming down within his life. Look in verse 8 now, which is our last verse here in Isaiah as we set the, um, just a foundation for tonight. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, that's amazing words. If you or I could say, I heard the voice of God. He talks with me. He walks with me. Because Isaiah had been used to hearing the voice of a king, Uzziah. That was his friend. And just follow this tonight. He'd been used to following that voice and hearing the voice of a king, Uzziah, his friend. And, And Isaiah was loyal. Isaiah was faithful. Isaiah was true to follow his friend and follow that king. But now, in verse 8, he said, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, now a greater one had come down to Isaiah. Now a greater friend was in his midst. Now a greater king was in Isaiah's life. And he wasn't just looking to politics or to just somehow be loyal to a friend or loyal to a church or loyal to a kingdom. But Isaiah had an experience himself where he could say, I I heard the voice of the Lord. A greater one, a greater friend, a greater king, a greater influence was now in his life. You say, when did that happen, Brother John? It all happened in the year that Uzziah died. It was in the year that Uzziah died. And I want to bring that spiritual for you tonight. There had to be a death. There had to be a death in Isaiah's life for him to see the Lord. And there had to be a passing. There had to be a moving. There had to be something happen to move his eyes from just earthly to the heavenly. And friends, that's got to happen for all of us. He was a believer. He was a son of God. He was a predestinated seed. I, I believe with all my heart he was led of God. But it was in the, in the year that the king died that Isaiah saw the Lord. So there had to be a dying out. There had to be the end of an era. E-R-A. It was the end of an era. Era. And, and, and Isaiah was now seeing that he couldn't go along the same as he had. There had to be something different in his experience. So there was a refocusing now. And there was a, a vision for the future. I'm speaking now for our assembly and also for us in the new year. The the time that there's a death of one, there has to be a vision as we go forward. There can't just be the same of the same old and expect different results. I heard today that they've just made a new prophet and a new leader for the Mormon Church. Their their prophet or the elder had passed away, so they voted in the next, successing a man. He's in his nineties, and that was their comment that they didn't expect anything to change. They, he's just much of the same. And my friends, we're not Mormons tonight. <laughs> Hallelujah. We're not denominationals that just, you know, vote people in without the Holy Ghost. And they never turn out to do anything for God. No, we're under another anointing. We're, we're on this side of Pentecost when God chose Paul and the believers accepted that message. So recognizing that Isaiah could only come to his place and real experience when there was a death of the king. There was a refocusing and there was a, 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 re, a vision now for the future because there was an ending of that time. Now tonight, coming back to our, our, our title of walking alone, I want to emphasize that to you, each one of you, that you are not alone. Amen. Though you walk alone... And your experience cannot be attached just to the preacher or to your father or to your mother or to a counselor or to the deacon or just to someone else propping you up. There's been a lot of that through the ages. And we see when that pillar is taken away that a person crumbles if their experience hasn't been alone with Christ. We see that all all over the lands today when there's a a loss uh, and a person has put so much into that pillar into that family member or into someone spiritual in the church or it could be a global thing that we're speaking about and if they don't have a personal experience with God when that something is removed they fall it's like disaster strikes it's like disarray happens it's like there's a lot of infighting and trouble but I thank God for the leadership of the Holy Ghost He's a personal God. Amen. And before the event happens, the Holy Spirit was already preparing and sowing the seeds for the future. Amen. So all of this was happening in Isaiah when he was walking now hand in hand. It was just the next automatic step for Isaiah. But that something had to happen and be removed for him now to take that step that he needed to take. Let's turn to 2nd Chronicles, chapter 26. This is to give us a little background on Uzziah. What does that mean for Isaiah? Why does it have such a meaning that in the year that he died is when Isaiah stepped forward in his experience? Why did it take a death of one for one to go forward? And when we apply this to many areas in our lives, we'll see as we come into the new year that it's a spiritual principle that there has to be a passing away or a death to those kings in our lives, what you have your eyes on or what you've been used to having around as being maybe comfort. God will remove a comfort zone. Let me use it like this. In Hebrews, Paul said, a shaking. Earth is shaken. Heaven is shaken. So that all of those things that are, are, are eternal can remain. Amen. So God will allow things to shake in your life. So you to get your eyes on Christ. Get your eyes on the one that should be sitting on the throne. Amen. Oh, I love this word of God. It, it gives us fiber in our lives. 2nd Chronicles 26 now, just a few verses if you have your Bible. 2nd Chronicles 26 verse 1. We see that Uzziah was a a young man that was chosen when he was 16 years old. 2nd Chronicles 26 verse 1. When he was a teenager, when he was 16 years old, the people of Judah made him king. And verse 3 says, 16 years old was Uzziah when he began to reign. And he reigned 50 and 2 years in Jerusalem. And it speaks about his mother and things. Verse 8. And the Amorites gave gifts to Uzziah, and his name spread abroad even to the entering in of Egypt. For he strengthened himself exceedingly. What I want you to see in the next few verses, how strong Uzziah was. He strengthened himself exceedingly. He was very popular. Verse 9, moreover, Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate and at the valley gate and at the turning of the wall and fortified them. Uzziah was industrious. Verse 11, moreover, Uzziah had a host of fighting men that went out to war by bands according to their account. And it speaks about the scribe and the ruler and Hananiah, one of the king's captains. So another trait of Uzziah, he he had organization skills. So he was popular, he's industrious, he's able to organize, verse 14. And Uzziah prepared for them throughout all the hosts, shields and spears and helmets and hebergeons and bows and slings to cast stones. Just looking at verse 14 tells us that he was a hard worker. He was able to bring things together. So he's popular, he's industrious, he organizes, he's a hard worker. In verse 15, we we see him making in Jerusalem engines invented by cunning men to be on the towers and upon the bulwarks to shoot arrows and great stones withal. And his name spread far abroad for he was marvelously helped till he was strong. We would say he was smart, he was cunning, and the Bible says he was very strong. So all of these uh, character traits uh, of being popular and industrious and organizing and hard worker, smart and cunning and, and bringing his strength was actually the very thing that brought his downfall. In verse 16, when he, was, when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. For he transgressed against the Lord his God and went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense Upon the altar of incense. In other words, he wanted to be in the ministry. He wanted to do something outside of his calling. He was a very good king. Brother Branham called him a good king. And he was a holy king. Well, he was a friend to a prophet. He had all these virtues in his life. But we see now in verse 16, him wanting to come into the temple of the Lord to burn incense. And Azariah the priest went in after him. And with him fourscore priests. That's 80 ministers of the Lord that were valiant men. Now this was a sight today as I thought about this. To have the high priest and to have 80 valiant priests running in. That word valiant means they were brave ministers. They were courageous. They were noble. And they were fearless. It was like our, our precious godly king is moving out of his place. And they rushed into the house of God and tried to stop Him. And they withstood Uzziah the king and said unto him, It appertaineth not unto thee, Uzziah, to burn incense unto the Lord, but to the priests, the sons of Aaron, that are consecrated to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary, for thou hast trespassed. Neither shall it be for thine honor from the Lord God. Period. And if Uzziah would have heeded the word you'd never have the next few verses. If Uzziah would have humbled himself, and this is where we're getting into, when Isaiah saw the Lord and the presence of God, it was full of humility, it was full of reverence, and they were in action to fulfill this. Uzziah should have got in action and left the house of God. He was out of his place. God had blessed him in this position for 52 years. He was the leader of the kingdom. He was 16 years old. That's all he knew was being the king. That's all he knew was the princely uh, ways of the kingdom. And and he, uh, he was blessed of God. But he got something in his heart. Something came into his mind that moved him out of his place. And I say, God, help us to end our testimony there and walk back out into our place if we would ever get another thought. And some of us might think that verse 18 that the priest was being disrespectful to the king when they said to go out of the sanctuary or you're trespassing or uh, or to try to move a person that was maybe you would say uh, up. uh, It's hard to speak up when someone's above you. But they knew their God called place. They knew that in order for the kingdom to go forward, our most precious holy king has got to stay in his place. And they rallied around that, but he did not heed their words. In fact, verse 19 says, Uzziah was wroth and had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And while he was wroth with the priest, I underline that in my notes. While he was wroth with the priest, while this spirit was just churning on the inside of him, leprosy even grew up in his forehead before the priest in the house of the Lord from beside the incense altar. And Azariah the chief priest and all the priests looked upon him. And behold, he was leprous in his forehead. And they thrust him out from hence. Yea, himself hasted also to go out because the Lord had smitten him. I say, God, help us to be smitten by your word before we're smitten by your judgment. Help us, Lord, to be moved into our place by the sound of Your Word instead of sin or leprosy to invade our lives. This is a New Year's message tonight. It's the Holy Spirit trying to give us peace and instruction to stay in our place. Though you might have been blessed and though you might have been honored for years in the message, stay in your place. Verse 20, Because the Lord had smitten him. And our last verse 21, And Uzziah the king was a leper unto the day of his death, and dwelt in a several house, being a leper. For he was cut off from the house of the Lord. And and it goes on to speak about his son and how he became the king. I was thinking about this today, how serious it was for a man to be the king from 16 years old, and now for 52 years. So he's well into his 60s. He went through his 20s, his 30s, faithful to the Word, faithful to the message, tender before the Lord, up until his 40s, his 50s, and something happened in his 60s to cause him to get arrogant, something that caused him to get into a place that he didn't care what nobody thought. And what we're going to see in a few moments, that was the very word from the Lord to Isaiah, when he was in the presence of God and the seraphims were around him with those wings was reverence and humility and an action. It was the very things that Uzziah was lacking, God was putting the Isaiah and saying, we've got to have that. Right. Now, as we speak about walking alone personally with God, and Brother Branham in Chicago picks up this thought after the seals. And he said, a man has no right to take up and say, well... I'd make an easy living if I was a minister. I believe I'll study the ministry. I believe I'll do this or that or the other. I believe if I can impersonate this gift that God has given, I'd have great campaigns and so forth. He said we see so much of that today. Now friends, don't be just applying that or think that Brother John's speaking about the ministry. It's for all of us. We're all kings and priests. We're all kings and priests. It's the lesson that he's holding before us. He said, but when you find out, Isaiah found a lesson that God places his men himself. God does the placing. And he never made this man a priest. He made him a king. And he ought to abide a king. And he must not try. And Isaiah learned here that you mustn't try to take another man's place. We're speaking about walking with God and the Holy Spirit would never allow a believer when He's speaking to them to move out of their place. It's our own thoughts. It's a wrong inspiration. It's a wrong anointing. And I pray, Lord, right at the start of this year, as you move into prayer, as you move into further consecration, I've heard some of your families already speaking about how you've been hearing the Word and and it's more serious. And you want to come earlier to the services. And you want to gather together with your families through the week. I admire you. I encourage you. This is now moving us into this time with a personal God that Isaiah learned that we can't take another's place. But Uzziah, watch how he had become Isaiah's hero. They worked together. They were raised up together. And when he saw his great hero had come to this disgrace and went down and died, Isaiah felt pretty near. All hopes for him was gone. So we went down to the temple one day to talk it over with the Lord. That's a good for us tonight. I'm going to the house of the Lord to talk it over. And that's where the vision happened. Oh, we've seen so much vision in the house of God, haven't we? Have you seen God's vision? In the house of God. Because you came with an attitude. You came with a need. You came with a desire. And he said at the temple he saw the one that he was supposed to be looking at all the time. So he'd been looking to Uzziah. He'd been faithful to Uzziah. He'd been loyal and trustworthy as all believers are. But there came a time when he went to the house of God that 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 leadership had died that it had to be personal now. It has to be personal for the believers tonight. The one that he was supposed to be looking at all the time, in the temple he saw him in a vision. God was sitting high on a throne, exalted way in the heavens, and his train was with him. And this vision he saw high, lifted up his throne, way above every earthly dominion. He said, God, that's the one he was supposed to look at When he was in the vision. You know friends, that's the one we are encouraged to look at. Because we are in the vision tonight. We might not realize it, but we're in the vision. I was in prayer today. And forgive me if I share some of these things personal. But I was just thinking of these things. And and going forward into this new year. That the greatest thing this year. And the most important thing for you and I is to surround our personal walk with Jesus Christ. That's the greatest thing this year we could do. That's the most important thing in our lives, is just surround ourselves with His personal presence. Just in your quiet time, just in your alone time, And your private, secret time with God. Because what you say in private will become public. What you are in God's presence in private and secret will become public in our actions, in our words. In our decisions that we make, in our attitudes, and all of our character is coming out. What's happening in the private comes out in the public. That's why we're speaking on this tonight is, Lord, move us into a place where we're walking ourselves alone with a personal God. I don't know, some of you might go through shaking times this year in your personal life or in your marriage. Or maybe your family life is going to be shaken. It has been in the past. Our church might go through a shaking time. Your business might go through a shaking time. There might be things happen politically that would cause a disturbance and cause you to tremble and get upset. That's why it's very important to stay close to Jesus. Because when a person does not have a private walk with God, they don't have a personal walk with God, that also reflects in their attitude. It reflects in their decisions. It reflects in their words. It reflects in their actions. And it reflects in their character. That's why we need to move from just having a relationship with Isaiah and move into a relationship with the king. I encourage all of you to move from the earthly into the heavenly. And he saw the throne as being high and lifted up. And it wasn't down in earth where logs and corruption could invade in and destroy. But it was high and lifted up. God, lift up our vision tonight. Lift up our personal walk with you, God. Let our young men see visions, our older ones, and dreams and visions. Because Brother Branham used that scripture in Joel. And then used it in, in Acts. And he was tying that together. Because what the cankerworm and palmerworm worm and, palmer and locust. What they tried to destroy, God was saying, I am here to restore you back. I tell you, friends, what's going on in the natural world would shake anybody. I was listening today to some of the testimony of of a lot of the young girls that had been molested by a, a, a doctor and it was connected to the, the Olympics and gymnastics and one after the other after the other giving their verbal words right in the courtroom to this man before he is sentenced on Friday and all the agony and all the pain and all the inappropriate touching of this doctor it, privately and some even with their parents in the room. I tell you, this world is being shaken. And it affects their whole lives, their marriages, their relationships with people. They can't get away from this. It's like a demon that's just grabbing a hold of them, of memories from the past. Aren't you so thankful for a walk in the Word? That no matter what we've gone through, we can be with Jesus Christ. And He can cleanse us from those things. We need it, friends, this year. This personal time, this time with the Lord and time in His presence. What an example this is for us. What an influence it was. Because as long as Uzziah was alive, Isaiah couldn't move forward. In Shreveport, Brother Branham spoke about this. That when Isaiah looked up and saw the Lord, he saw a real example. And God said, look up this way. I am your example. And if he said, if we could only do that. He said, I'm addressing the ministers and the businessmen and the teenage. If we could only do that. He said, I would like to be, this might surprise some of you, Brother Brownham said this in public, I would like to be Billy Graham. I wish I had his education and the know-how and to put things together as Billy Graham has. But I can't be Billy Graham. But Billy Graham can't be me either. I'm not preaching about Brother Branham. I'm speaking about you. We can't be someone else. And we could long to be like another sister or another brother or have their past or have just the way that they are. And it just flows right out of them. Brother Branham was being honest when he said, I would like to be like Billy Graham. He couldn't be a Billy Graham. He was a Billy Branham. He couldn't be a six-lettered last name. He was that seventh letter. He had to receive Melchizedek. He had to fellowship with angels. He had to minister to the, to the elect lady. And tonight, stop trying to be someone else that is actually of lesser quality. God's calling you to be the bride of Christ. You don't have to be like a movie star, sports star, or even like your neighbor. They might be running after the money or running after a promotion and you're running into your prayer closet. You might actually make less money this year by turning down overtime or turning down extra shifts because you need time with the Lord. That's noble. That's more prestigious. That's fantastic. Because this generation... It's full of selfishness. It's full of pride. It's full of men and women that are just stuck on themselves. Is that true? They're arrogant. There's a lack of humility in this generation. There's a lot of social injustice. People love evil. They love killing and murder. That's why they watch movies and it's in all of their gaming and it's in all of that because they love it. They love fighting, they love strife. It, it even becomes when it becomes out in the areas that it ought not to be their cheer and their roar because it 's in their human nature i 'm speaking on the negative for a little bit because Isaiah had to get his eyes back on the main thing, back on the example don 't you ache for more time with God? <laughs> ache, ache there 's there's an aching inside of you. T- For more time with God? I was thinking of that today. How we will never regret time that is spent in the presence of the Lord. It's the believer's life stream. I hope the message is getting across tonight. It's our life stream. It's our personal walk with God. It's where we get our strength for our journey. It's good to have a friend. It's good to have people we can lean on. But we're speaking about walking alone with Jesus. Walking alone in a place where He is my strength. You are my friend. You are my King. Invest your time with the Lord. It will lead to a better life. Amen. It's our greatest desire. Lord, I desire to be like you. I believe that's inside of every person here that's a genuine believer. I want to be like the Lord in my nature, in the way that I surrender, in the way that I yield, in my character. Because when the Bible speaks about marriage, these two shall be one. It's not just in a figure of speech. God wants to be one with you and I. Oh God, help us to surrender more in all areas of our life. I'm speaking very simply, I know. But I'm speaking in a way that would lay some seeds into our hearts coming into this new year. Lord, help me to surrender more in areas of my life. Areas that might be delicate. Areas that might be hard to speak about. But if there's things in my life that are not like you... Reveal them to me so that we can deal with that, Lord. So that you can deal with that appropriately in my life. Friends, if we're not praying like that, that's why people get prideful. That's why they get arrogant. That's why they start moving out of reverence and they stop being in action for the Lord and being ashamed and being condemned. God's ushering us back into His presence. And I believe a believer speaks these things to the Lord. If there's things in my life and areas that are not like you, Lord, reveal them to me so that we can deal with them. Because my heart is to reflect you and to reflect your word. Praise the Lord Jesus tonight. So it's not trying to be somebody that we're not. We each one have our place in Christ. We have a place in Christ. We have a place in Christ. That's why we're only satisfied in Him. And to try to impersonate someone else is to only do the same thing Uzziah did. And it's the only result. I'm quoting Brother Branham. The only result is a way of disaster. So we look at our lives and we even look at others and see the disaster and the damage. And many, many of them have good virtues, good qualities. Maybe in many ways better than you. As we talked about Uzziah, maybe they organize well. Maybe they gather troops together. Maybe they're more popular, more wealthy. None of us are kings tonight in that way and just have a lot of money and different things. Most God's people are poor. But we see that Uzziah desired something that wasn't his. But a person can get that way. Where they're trying to move in an area that's, it's not theirs to give. And they wonder why the blessings stop. And they wonder why the power isn't there. Or the anointing. I'm speaking about to be an overcomer. And that's when they need to draw back and say, God help me. Amen. And and, and this came very strong today into my heart. But if a person starting this new year is not planning to make Christ first, your year is going to be full of disaster. If you do not make Christ first in your life, there's disaster ahead for you. And I'm not speaking about Job's troubles or the trials of a believer. I'm speaking about a person that goes out of the will of God for their life, there's disaster ahead for you. I say, we don't like to hear that. We like to hear good things, and we like to hear pleasant things, but it's just true, friends. A person's future is full of disaster if they don't surrender their heart to the Lord. He said, but just be what you are and what God made you to be. Hallelujah. Lord, influence us, Lord. Impact us, Lord Jesus. In Texas, Beaumont, Texas, excuse me for quoting so long, but Brother Branham said this king, this is 1964, no matter how much God loved him and what a great man he was, how many degrees he had, and yet he'd done wrong, and he had to reap what he sowed, and every man will have to do it. And that was a lesson to this young prophet. That was a real lesson. By this, Isaiah learned that God orders his man to his place himself. Not what somebody else orders, but God orders his man to the job and orders him to his place. He's not to try to take another's place. So this year, friends, you be what God has called you to be. I was so happy this last Sunday to give the testimony of our sister Rhea and to give the testimony of her stand for Christ. I was happy to give the testimony of Sister Ashley that was standing for Christ and and the only one in her family that has given her life to the Lord and serving this message. And they denounce her and want to put her out. I was able to give your testimony, Sister Ashley. And to hear the congregation rejoice that there's others that are walking on with God. Not with a big support system and a bunch of props. And you seem like you're lonely. You seem like you're fighting alone sometimes, but you're not alone. I was able to give the testimony of Sister Emily Gonzalez of just one year ago when she was baptized, gave her heart to the Lord, and how since then she's went through incredible adversity, incredible batter battles. And I was able to bring her testimony to their church. You know, friends, this gives great edification. Because people like to live on a bubble sometimes. You just think like everybody's doing wonderful and great and glory, hallelujah, when really we're down in the trenches. And there's personal strain and shaking going all around. But there's an elect lady that's willing to be alone. Alone with her God. Hallelujah, Lord. Make that this year our priority. It was what a lesson to the prophet and what a lesson it is tonight. And what a vision. It was so great to the prophet, it drove him to the temple to pray. And I wonder today, he said, if we would see the death of the churches, to see the dying out of the people from the Spirit going on back and serving their creeds, if it oughtn't to drive believers to their knees. Think about that. Adversity drives a believer to their knees. Not to your cell phone. Not to a computer. Not to the message gospel social line. It drives you to your knees. And he said it made a real believer, an ordained believer, Isaiah the prophet, go to his knees. And he went to the temple and began to pray. And in the temple, he saw God and His throne lifted way up high. God was going to show him what to look at. Not look at, at one another, but look up there to what He is. That He is lifted up high on His throne. Friends, if you put your eyes down on this level, you'll see a lot of flesh. But when you get your eyes lifted up to Jesus, that's all a believer really wants to see. Friends, make that priority this year in your your spiritual journey. Don't look at everybody else and compare this and that. Look up to Jesus. If you go to the house of God, go there to pray. Lift up your hand. Get serious with God and pull on the gifts of God. How many believe Peter had the Holy Ghost in the book of Acts? In the book of Acts, he had the Holy Ghost. And you know, Peter got into a place of prison. And they saw that killing James made the people happy. So they arrested Peter and threw him into prison. And God said, I'm going to get glory out of this situation. And he sent an angel down there to get him out of there. He wakes him up, says, put on your sandals. And they go through one door. and The guards are all asleep and go through another door. I think there was three or four watches. And they go through. And and the angel's still with him, just walking, walking, walking personally. Just right with him, walking out into the street. And, And Peter thought he was in a vision. He thought, I'm just in a dream. I'm just sleeping. But it was reality. And after he walks, I think, past the first street, the angel disappears. This is Acts 12, verse 11. And the Bible says, And when Peter was come to himself... I tell you what, that's a shaking time. I was in prison. They're going to kill me tomorrow. And in the middle of the night, God does a miracle and brings him out of there. And the Bible says, when Peter was come to himself. I'm speaking really tonight, not just about salvation or receiving the Holy Ghost. Peter had the Holy Ghost. But there was an experience that he had that brought him to himself. It's different from Luke 15. And the prodigal son, when the Bible says, and when he came to himself, that's for repentance. That's for coming back when you're backslidden. That's come back to home. Come back to God's presence. And when he came to himself, we're talking about Peter that had the Holy Ghost. Are you still with me? But he went through an experience. And when he came to himself, he realized God had a further work for him to do. That's what we speak about often. And there's a huge misunderstanding sometimes in the message about when they come to himself, whether it's the Holy Ghost or the new birth. People with the Holy Ghost need to come to themselves. It was a further part of his calling. It was a further part of his ministry. It wasn't that he needed to go back and get the Holy Ghost. But it was an experience that Peter used as a tie post. God delivered me from prison. Now many can say God delivered me from smoking, drinking, lying and all those things. That's a prison. I'm not speaking about that right now. There was another experience for Peter. He had to come to himself. And that's what I pray this year happened for all of us more. God will bring you out of a place. He's given you a lesson. He's trying to show you that I'm with you. Say, man, I'm all alone down here. The only thing I got with me is this soldier and chains are with me. And God said, that's nothing for me. I'll cut those chains. I'll open these doors. I'll do all these things. And even Sister Rhoda won't even know to open the door. And they're having a prayer meeting. God deliver Peter. God deliver Peter. God deliver Peter. And when Peter walks up and knocks on the door and and Rhoda comes out there, oh my, it's Peter. They thought it was maybe his ghost or something. I tell you, God wants to answer our prayers. But when He does this year, let's not be so hard-headed and, and, well, it just didn't happen the way I thought. God can do whatever He wants to this year. You can take that however you want to take that. I read that on the airplane. I thought, my, that might be good to share. Peter needed to come to himself. How many believe God knows what He's doing in your life? How many believe God is in control and He knows every matter beforehand? But when Isaiah was in the presence of the Lord, he saw these seraphims. And two were covering their face in the presence of God to be reverent. And two wings over His feet meaning humility before God. And the third set of wings, he put himself into action. He could fly with them wings. Two over his face, two over his feet, flying with two. Now what was it? Reverence, humility, inaction. Friends, if we could all get those three working in harmony, you'd be a powerhouse. I'd be a powerhouse. If we could recognize in his presence, that's usually where you get most revelation is in His presence, <laughs> that there needs to be more reverence, and humility, and He'll put you into action. Just later on in this quote, it so struck me, because Brother Branham said, many, can be, many of us can be humble, and many of us can be reverent, but it's hard to get Him in action. In another place, he said, Have you seen how a person can be in action, but they're not humble? And it'll lead to disaster. Because all three of them have got to be working together. That's what a prophet said. It'll lead to disaster. So he's talking about these heavenly seraphims and how he's seen it was something different than what Uzziah produced. Uzziah the king could buy him nice clothes. Uzziah could say, Oh, we need the prophet around us. We're so happy to have a prophet Isaiah in the courtroom today. And he would just salute and give respect. It was no dishonor. He wasn't being just religious. But when, he, when Isaiah finally got into his position and in his placing, he seen something different than what Uzziah could produce. He was showing the prophet... What he must be. And that's not like Uzziah. I'm actually quoting Brother Branham. But to be like these heavenly cherubims. To not be like an earthly king. But to look to the heavenly one. He was giving him something to look at. To influence him different from what he had been looking at. And the way he had been thinking. Oh, A man that served God and prospered and everything. But Isaiah got his mind on a man. Amen. And I pray, God, if I've got my heart on something natural or of this world or even someone that's good, there has to be a shift to your personal walk with God. Amen. Say, why are you stressing that, Brother John? Because it's such a need today. Amen. Such a need. Amen. Brother Branham was even pointing to good men that could move mountains with faith. Give all their goods to the poor. But he said he is born in sin, shaped in iniquity. Come to the world speaking lies. He's a total failure. A man is a failure to begin with. He said, I don't care who he is. I don't care if he's a bishop, pope, presbyter, or whatever he might be. He's a failure to begin with. I wonder if we'd admit that tonight. I'm a failure outside of my position in Christ. It's amazing. A person can be in their position in Christ and still think they're a failure. But in the presence of God, you start receiving that divine counsel. I love the counsel of God. Things like, you never did it in the first place. I justify you, I sanctify you. I love that communication. I love His Word. I know you love the Word. It's when he got in the temple, when he got around the prayers and he got around the atmosphere, that's when he saw the vision. Friends, and don't just put that up on this hill here in Cloverdale. Take it home with you. Aren't you hungry and thirsting tonight? We are in travail to give birth to sons and daughters of God. That's what Brother Branham said and what the Holy Ghost was given for. And last Friday night, I did, we had a youth meeting there. It's almost time for us to close, so I'll just cap it off here. I had a, a, a youth meeting there in Edmonton with the young people, and I spoke on aching for a change. As Brother Branham spoke about there, and the bride of Christ is hungering and thirsting. She's in travail. Brother Murphy had spoke on it two or three times out of John 16. That was the very chapter we opened up with about when a woman is in travail. And it speaks about the suffering and the birth and the aching and the pain and the throbbing and the the twinge. It's like a constant something in an expecting woman to, to bring forth a child. And when Brother Bradham said the bride is hungering and thirsting, she's in travail to give birth to the children of God and tying that into birth pains and what the scripture says about travail and birth and that joy cometh in the morning when the child is birthed that's when everybody celebrates you can have the showers you can have all the gifts but when the child is birthed that's the rejoicing so I ask you tonight when is the zeal going to stop? When is the passion going to stop? Friends, it's not going to stop until we all come to that place. That's the travail. That's what seems like a sorrow or an aching. It's not that we're sorrowful, but it's actually, it's a groaning and an ache for the change. And it's in every believer. I was trying to speak to the young people. That's what describes what you're going through is the ache. There's a twinge. It's like a constant something because it's something inside of you, a desire, that's desiring a change. I think some of you older people should, can rejoice more with that when the, all the aches and the pains. And Brother Branham said in the future home, the old body wrinkling, falling, dwindling in shoulders, aching in knees, horse in the throat. Yeah. Hello, somebody. Amen. Thank you, Brother Sterling. Amen. We're, we're all getting older and there's aches and pains. We're not speaking about that ache. We're speaking about an ache for a change. And not just a change of the body, but a spiritual change. To see a transformation. And you can just put that in your, not your New Year's resolutions, but in your desires for the new year. Lord, I'm aching to see a transformation this year. To see a revolution as it was. A movement higher. Maybe I'll just close with that. It was right in the end of November. I think it was the weekend Brother Biscoll, you and Brother Tom were down in uh, Louisiana. It was the end of November and that very week the first of December, I was just taking a brief lunch and stepped into a coffee shop and I saw right on the front page of the newspaper was lonely in Vancouver and it said 30% of young people are lonely and it was a whole article speaking about young people and 18 to 24 year olds and how a third of them in Vancouver, in this region suffer with loneliness Almost always or often. I thought, that's amazing. And it went on to speak about nearly 70% of university students battle loneliness during the school year. And it went on to talk about all the social devices and how they become so connected socially in things. And yet, it's more of an epidemic of people being lonely. So they actually started, even companies and things to try to involve more face-to-face interaction between young people. This one 24-year-old entrepreneur started this technology and began to speak about how social media and things, how it can lead one to a deeper sense, a deeper sense of social isolation. Is that shocking to you? Seventy percent of university students are lonely. Say, how can that be? They're more connected than ever. But it's not in reality. So it leads them to isolation. It leads them to fight loneliness like you're all alone. And Satan will come in there with spirits. And I was thinking as I saw that and it carried into this youth meeting on Friday night in Edmonton. How even message young people can even be more tempted that way because we don't have televisions. It's not something where we gather together as families and watch a movie. I hope not. But it can lead them into further loneliness and alone time. And in that very moment of crisis, God is calling them to be their friend. To say, you're never alone. You might say, I'm all alone or I'm lonely. Oh, brother John, that's me. I'm all lonely. No, you're not alone. You have the king saying, I want to reveal myself to you. I thought it was so amazing and it struck my heart that they could be so lonely that in spite of all of these challenges, they admit that in spite of all of their efforts to reach out and help one another that they knew that they were not going to be able to take this issue. They couldn't find a remedy long term. I'm thankful for the Word of God. We have a long term solution to that. Walk with God. Walk in His Word. Get your eyes off Uzziah and off the things of this world and get them on Christ. Lord, we have aching hearts to see more of the change. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. May the Lord give us patience this year. Patience that after we have done the will of God, that we just remain steadfast Until God vindicates that in His own time. He makes all things beautiful. Ecclesiastes 3. He makes all things beautiful. He makes all things beautiful. So in His time, He's unrolling His plans. God bless your hearts this year as we bow our heads. Thank you, Lord, for this aching. Thank you that you've taken loneliness away from us as believers. And you've given us an experience. Lord, we're thankful tonight. We're thankful that we can go to the waters of Bethlehem and find fresh waters. We're thankful for the bread of life and the Word of God that we hunger. Our hearts come back to that. Our lives go back to that. Men and women in this service have jeopardized their lives to bring you fresh water, to bring this Word to others around this globe. And we know that it's not a man. It's not our efforts alone that, that, you're, that you're blessing. It's, it's your will that you're blessing. It's, it's your plan that you're blessing. Lord, as we move out into these times, shaking times, Lord, help us to be thankful for that seed of life that you've put inside of our souls. For it's true, Lord, unless you had left us a seed, we would be like Sodom and like Gomorrah. But you have left us a seed, Word, that we can rally around. And gifts of God can bring us, Lord, into our, into our placing, into our position. I pray if there's some Isaiahs here tonight in the service or streaming this meeting... Isaiah's is that are kind of locked, they feel locked into a certain place. I pray that we would take these things from your word. Let there be the death of the king. Let there be something that might have stood between us and you. Not speaking that negatively, Lord, as there's times and seasons for all of us. But let us come through the winter and let there be a raising and a resurrection into every life here. Lord, we speak one for another. We encourage one another to get into that private place, into that secret place alone. Lord, sometimes we can be one another's even biggest fault or hurdle for one another. We text one another. We email one another. We talk about things that are so frivolous. I pray that friendships would form this year. In all of our lives that would be spiritual men and women that could encourage us back into that place have you prayed about that brother have you talked alone with God about that decision because what is done in private will come out into our public lives Lord this year we want more than ever to move ourselves into that place Where you can talk to us face to face. I know that's the desires of the believer's hearts. We fellowship around that tonight. Fellowship around your word. That even after all of these years, it has never gotten stale. It's never gotten cold to us. It's still on fire. We still love it, Lord. We pray that those fires would get stronger that desire would only get stronger that aching Lord would be interpreted not as a dissatisfaction or a grumbling but it would be turned into your presence Lord what is your will in that matter what if you called for that person where would you have them to go and you would answer those questions individually, for our people. Lord, we can help one another. We can encourage. We can speak to one another. But when you speak to a person and they feel your arms and they look up into that throne and see Jesus, something's different after that. That person is different when they meet you face to face. Lord Jesus, there's something precious about quiet time with you. We get so nervous and caught up. But I pray that still small voice would have the microphone. Speak to us, Lord. Speak, Lord Jesus. In the year that King Uzziah died, that's when Isaiah saw the Lord lifted up. That's when he heard the voice. Lord Jesus, let there be a dying out in ourselves, a letting go. So that we can meet you, Lord. Encourage your people, Jesus. Right in this time of the year when sicknesses try to come in, viruses. People are under tests and dilemmas, financial strains, family Things, things we carry, our burdens with one another seem so heavily in this time. But we pray, Jesus, there have been inspiration from Your Holy Spirit drop down into these channels, Lord, that men and women can move out under these divine impulses. Lead Your people, guide them, Lord Jesus. We thank You, Lord, for being lifted up high above Laodicea, that we could see Your face. We can feel the sword in our hands. We can sense that responsibility. And the accountability. And the transfer has been made now to where your people know what you want done with your word. I pray, Jesus, the solemnity of these truths would come deeper further, Lord. We would begin to speak them out to one another. Truly, Lord, missing limbs could form. Truly, we could speak to someone that is not able to bear children and you could do a miracle for them. Someone that has a situation that seems so at a loss. Even Isaiah said, Oh, hope is gone. The King is gone. What are we going to do now? He was such a pillar in my life only to know that in that year, God was going to give him the greatest revelation of his whole experience. Lord, let us move past those things that seem so big in our lives and see you face to face. Bring us nearer, Jesus. Bring us further and deeper. Take us, Lord, into that other realm where all things are possible. Thank you, Lord, for answering these prayers, Lord. We've come down to the temple to seek you. I pray as we leave, as we drive home, as we go our ways, that your settledness would be upon every life. Personal. Alone. But we're not lonely. Fighting the battle. But you are the captain. Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Come to every heart, Jesus, we pray. Fill every ache, Lord. Every need that we may have as people, hundreds of people here tonight, You are the God that meets every need. Go with us, Lord Jesus. May these things pulsate, not just in our ears or our minds, but let them move in our souls. For the hour we live in, Jesus, shaking times. Let us respond appropriately. I'm asking that for myself and for all of your people. Let us respond appropriately in this delicate season. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I know we're sitting, but I wonder if we can just begin to thank the Lord right there where we're at. I wonder if we can be thankful, Lord, for His presence. Thank the Lord for the moving of His Spirit now. Move us now out of this building, Lord, but now into our homes and our cars. Move out into our schools, our universities. Move out into our jobs, Lord. There should be no lonely people in the bride. There should be a revelation that I'm never alone. And we can meet one another's needs. By being Jesus to somebody. You're not alone, brother. You're not alone, sister. I'm with you. Jesus visited that person. Jesus had needs to go by Samaria. Jesus went by that house. Don't you want to be that this year, friends? I know I do. I want to be the person that they can say, Jesus, just talk to me. I heard the voice of the Lord. Oh, thank you, Jesus, Lord Thank you, Father Thank you, Jesus, Lord Thank you, God As we stand, we'll sing that, Brother Ryan On your anniversary, you can sing that with us Amen testimony of a man, I think he's from Germany, when he was just a little boy, he loved to tinker with things and pry open things, and he was always so interested, and one day he was out in a field, and he he got this little gadget, and he started playing with it, and he lifted it up, and there was an old man over on a porch that saw him kind of playing with this little tinkering, he had his little tool, and he was trying to, and that man called out to him, he said, hey little boy, what is that? bring that over to me. And so the little boy brought it over to him. This is a true story. This is a believer. When he was a little boy and he handed it to the man and the old man was looking at it, turning it over, looking at the little... And all of a sudden, the little boy heard his sister scream out and said said his name and said, come and help me. So he ran, ran around the house and, and, and talked to his little sister and said, you called me, you called me. And she said, no, no, I didn't call you. And just at that moment, it exploded. It was a bomb. He had found a little bomb. And he had took it to the old man. And and he heard a voice. And his sister said, I never called you. I never called you. What was it? It was predestination. And that young little boy is a believer of the message. You talk about God leading our lives and directing us. It'll save us. It'll save us out of trouble. It'll get us out of there. He knows all of us, our future. He knows that little boy was going to one day give his heart to the Lord and be in this message. God wants to save you from disaster. Save this whole year from disaster. Spiritual disaster. There might be calamities and a shaking for some of us. But I'm speaking spiritually. God's trying to save us from disaster. Don't have, you know, four of the six wings. Don't be in action and reverent and don't have humility. There'll be a failure. It, it just won't work right. Don't be all humble and, and reverent and never do anything. Never fulfill your purpose. Get some action. It's all of those things. It's all of... Isaiah had to have something traumatic happen in his life to get him serious. He was so focused on the king, King Uzziah, my friend. Yes, sir. What can I do for you? He's faithful. God had to take that away to get him focused on his purpose. And God may allow something in your life to move you into another channel. And you'll look back and say, that was God's hand leading me. May God bless each one of you. Looking forward to these next days if the Lord would give us time for the victories, for the miracles, for the healings. For this year, God truly is going to do great. Our future's clear. Our year's clear. We've already heard that. So whatever God has written out is for our good. God bless you. Shake hands with one another. You're dismissed into his presence. God bless you.